Hello, and just before the final episode, we have a conversation episode. Today, I'm talking to Lisa, who was a teacher who came to the school that I was in right at the end of my stint there. I didn't know her for very long, but we kept in touch and, well, she's such an optimistic character that I thought it'd be worth getting her experience of things in the school. So we talk about the challenge of actually living inside a school, which Lisa didn't actually do, and getting over that first year in China, the nature of expats, if there is such a thing, dealing with Chinese workplace culture, how easy it is to get paranoid, the way that Americans in particular clash with China, and some advice for would-be ESL teachers. Also, Lisa shares a couple of her stories of her own classroom dramas. And next time on Stuck in the Middle Kingdom with you, the big finale. Yeah, you joined the cradle, like, towards the end of when I was there, if you remember. And um, so do you remember that? And I, and how long did you stay in the end? I did. Um, I think you left maybe, I want to say two two months after I started. Right. That's so something like that. Did you start in September? I came okay. August 27th. I got off the plane. I had like two days and then I started. Okay. And... Yeah, I, I just I feel like there's a preface I have to say. I think my first year, I mean, that was just a completely different experience than my other two. I stayed for three. I ended up staying for three years. So uh-huh. it'll be interesting, my experience compared to yours. But I do remember you. And I that group of teachers specifically, Arizona man, <laughs> hard to miss, hard to forget. Um, yeah, those that particular group of people, that helped me form my first experience, my first uh, introduction impression, but it was quickly wiped away. And I think for the better. And I do have to say also, I didn't live on campus. Yeah. And I think that also changed my experience because if I lived on campus, I think that would make me go crazy. So all are you of saying you that the kind of crazy paranoia that I got into um, is excused? It is. And it's, I wouldn't human. even say it is human, of course, because how, I mean, why they thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, I never blamed anybody to feel that way. It's just, I never understood how you all made it so well. Well, most of us kind of ended up like we lasted a year. I lasted a year and a couple of months. And so, and, and a lot of the colleagues, they, you know, it was a kind of a, a more than 50% dropout rate, I'd say, for making it through a year and when when it's time to renew a lot of people they went yes and yeah it's the environment of living in the school i think which just kind of uh, and yeah that all changed after that class of teachers left except for one teacher no foreign teachers lived on campus anymore oh Every so they got their lives lived. back they got oh. their lives back and also a particularly uh, interesting I would say leader in quotes, because I think he thought himself more of a leader than um, anybody else did. It might be Dodie. (laughs) Yes. He left mid, I think he left at semester. And once he left and a new person came in, like a weight lifted off of a lot of people. I was never really affected by him because Uh. I was an oral English teacher my first year. I had 23 classes every week. That meant I had 628 students. Well, okay. This is the same as Jess. Um, she She's the only person who has a real name in the podcast. I never met her because... Well, you did, Rachel. 
Yes, yeah. I think I came after her filter spot. And that, I mean, uh, a friend of mine is a therapist and she describes trauma as big T trauma and little T trauma. Right. I think being an oral English teacher that year was little T trauma for me. But um, through some sort of, I would say, I'm not a huge believer in karma, but I think this was super karma karmic. I did my job. And the next year I got uh, promoted to a homeroom primary position. So I, I started first grade and then moved up with them to second grade. And that, that also changed everything completely. That's because, a yes. Yeah. My co-teacher was amazing. My group of students were incredible and it wasn't like so soul depleting as going from class to class. I mean, for, it was first through fifth grade. So it really, that first year was, uh, it was so, just crazy. So it's, it's partly the, um, the style of teaching you were doing. Um, and partly like the cohort of of other personalities around, you reckon that made the difference? I think so. I mean, my experience with expats in general, inside the cradle and out is, uh, a friend of mine once said in China, you don't come to China if everything is good at home. And that, it can't, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean bad or good. I mean, for me, I came to China because I felt like life back home was dull and I just was listless. I had applied to the Peace Corps and I, I didn't want to go there either. And I ended up in China. And mm -hmm. I feel like there are people that came because they were going through their fifth life crisis, you know, divorce, bank fraud, you name it. I mean, yeah. it was just you never wild, quite so. knew, did you? Yeah, right. It was always this like <laughs> level of mystery. Like, who are yeah. you really? Is that really yeah. your name? What's their story? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and you don't, yeah, you just kind of meet some of the, truly the foulest people I've ever met were expats in China, but then some of the greatest. And I think that year that you were there, oh, there were just some real, yeah. I mean, Arizona man, not a bad person, but you're no. like, you know, the words Agent Orange just floats around my head when I think about him or just his yeah. like life situation or. Just no self-awareness. I actually had, I had a family come the second year. They were from Denver. A new teacher. A new teacher couple. And they were a couple this time. Oh, both so they're friends. both teachers. Both okay. teachers. And they really were, I, I had high hopes. They seemed like they were from academia. They were very, just seemed down to earth, normal. No, it turns out, no, not at all. They're just unraveled just very slowly. They would lash out to the Chinese administration. They were like, we started to dread. I think you had referenced this in one of your episodes. Um, going to a meeting with the international staff and just feeling mm. that kind of icy tension. Yeah. Well, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. me more, but you could just tell the people that were so wrapped up in whether that was the drama or what was happening, but they were so. Uh, for me, it was like, on the one hand, it was the, the expats, the teachers who, yeah, they were bullshit and forward about their criticism and sarcastic about it. Um, but I mean, in my head, I was quite, I remember being quite relieved that the foreign teachers were going to be quite, you know, not too passive and not put up with things at the same time, you know. Did you kind of feel that it was really the expats, uh, I don't know, rudeness or something? Or did you think, well, yeah, you, you, you management a lot, you kind of have it coming for some reason as well? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, of course, there are some times that I was like, I rate it. Usually it had to do more with maybe how I had a, a student in class that had clearly learning, like not just a learning disability. I mean, she was 
clearly special needs and they just mm-hmm. shoved her through like a lot of times in the system through mm-hmm. the pathway and the school was not doing anything about my concerns it was just awful and mm-hmm. i was getting so fired up about it but to go into these meetings and just be blindly rageful at these at the administration that's not the move so i found the best solution was like if you have a problem, present a solution and then follow it up with the problem. Cause it's, I mean, the yeah. culture is what's, it's about saving face. Why would you yeah. embarrass, right. you know, or, or shame? It's not going to work. So I've kind of, you just got to kind of play the game. I hate to say it. And so like, what were the gripes that they had? This Denver oh, team? first it was about curriculum, which is valid. I mean, when I was the oral English teacher, we're, I was given five books called, um, Good English. Do you remember that curriculum? I don't think so. I do not believe in burning books, but I would put on a Balenciaga dress and some fancy shades and I would light the entire curriculum of good English on fire and light a cigarette and watch it burn. Was the English bad in it? It was terrible English. It was just pages of little stories. Like it was a family with a dog and it would just be like the spot the dog ran home, but not not even that good. Biff, Chip and Kipper, was it? Yes. It was Biff, Chip, and Kipper. Biff. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that was from Good English. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I know. But we have Biff, Chip, and Kipper here in the UK. I knew it before. <laughs> and and I think I think that was pretty good because I had to do those oral English classes at one point. And it was Biff, okay. Chip, and Kipper. I can't but, remember it being bad. But then we got the old editions or something. I'm telling you, there okay. was no structure well, yeah, it's not it's not actually delivering a curriculum, right? right. Just a bunch of unrelated It's stories. an additive to something. So 28 minutes once a week of me coming in with the Good English book. Mm. So I guess you're saying that the what the Denver team, they had legitimate gripes, but they mostly it, it was just way. about who they were. They were yeah, just and then I think, unraveling. Yeah, I think they're... I like to think their sorted mm-hmm. past was catching up from them in the mer- back in the states because some of their mental health started to deteriorate or something. I just feel like um, there were some people, some teachers that found the right way to be like, okay, there's a problem. We're going to figure it out either kind of insularly, like on our end in our own classrooms. I think that kind of helps me the best if I could mm. take care of it with me and my co-teacher, who again is like an angel on earth. She was the best. We Mm. had the best kind of system with ourselves. Then if we had to take it a step up, I hardly got the administrative administration involved. And we did have a middle person. A person came in right after uh, the leader left. And he was really good middle person, um, fluent in Mandarin, like had kind of the good hand of administration and really good favor with some teachers. And I think that- But he was actually on your side. Yes. Like, or maybe yeah. there didn't need to be a side is is better. You know? Yeah, he's a good bridge. And so yeah. I and I, I felt and oddly that a couple from Denver didn't like him because oh. the minute you didn't do something for them, they kind of were like, you're against us. But um, yes, that's I think that's I think you kind of take your experience. Obviously, I think that ex- they would have that experience in any workplace. So but being in China, it just it heightens everything. And I think that's the paranoia you talk about. I mean, yeah. the other teacher you mentioned, the um, very sprightly older woman who oh, I yeah. adored and biked around town with very often. Penny. She, yes, Penny. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, that's what she um, took me under her little biking wing and we developed a good friendship at the end of the, at the end of that year. And she talked about the paranoia herself. Like it just, it gets ingrained into you. And I think again, it's part of the just. Yeah. She really, she really, um, it came on strong early with her. Um, mm-hmm. And, but it was like, she, she just wanted to do the best thing for her kids. Yeah. And she did. And I mean, what do you think about this? Like, I guess after a while, no matter how, how good your intentions are and how um, you end up realizing, don't you, that the reason why you're there is really to dance around in front of the kids. Yeah. I mean, is there a less cynical way of thinking about it? (laughs) I mean, is that how you felt? She definitely felt like that, but she really wanted to teach like physics and stuff. I know. But she wasn't, well, she wasn't really being given the tools because it was really just like stand up in front of that class, dance around as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think her situation probably is different too, because she was teaching the yeah, like seventh grade high school. And stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I think I had a bit more of a reach in reality to impact my students. And this is what I was thinking about too. I can romanticize the best of humanity moments I had outside the school all I want, all I want, because, you know, I'll write a memoir just like you someday or whatever. Um, but my the reality inside my classroom is that I had 25 great kids in two years with them. And I I feel like I still, I got to see them in 2020. We had like a little reunion. I mean, that's how much that I really, I feel like invested in the my from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. with them. And I think it's mostly during the class time, sure. But it was like at the end when class would be done and they just come to my desk and we just, you know, yeah. chat. Because you, you, you're less of a, you're a teacher, but you're also there. You're kind of a mentor, caretaker too. Yeah, and you're also a counterpoint to the Chinese staff who yes. are disciplinarian and more so. Yes. And they do they actually set like the homework and all that. Right. And really enforce things. And yes. you are this um breath of fresh air. It's like a comfort. And I'm telling you, my co-teacher was our classroom was disciplined, but she was also so very warm to them. Yeah. We'd have like peer reviews, other foreign teachers would come sit in your classroom and watch you teach. Yeah, scary, wasn't it? Yeah. And all the time people would be like, your class is different. And I would be like, I know. (laughs) Um, But I do have a story and I'll tell you why my class was different. If there's one thing that kind of could have broke me, but I feel like defined a moment, it's the post-it. We had a teacher. She was very young. She was also from the States. I'm going to call her Brittany because I think that's a really good American name. Okay. Yeah. Came, I don't know how she got a visa because I want to say she was 22. And I thought you had to be 25. But you know those oh, things. Yeah. So she came and I kind of adopted Brittany. I thought she's young. I'm going to take her under my wing and make sure she's okay. Um, she taught uh, first grade with myself and another gentleman. And you know how you kind of rotate classes. One yeah. day yeah. on a Monday, let's say. Brittany comes in and she holds a post-it note in front of my face and it's full of Chinese characters. And she says, hey, do you know what this is about? And I look at it, not reading Mandarin. And I say, "Uh, no. And she goes, "Okay," and walks out of my classroom. And I think for a second and then I go, am I supposed to? And that's all I hear from it. A week later, I get a call from administration that I'm supposed to have a meeting or something. Essentially. Boiled down, this post-it has some bad Chinese words on it. It literally just said something like the equivalent of, like, you dumb bitch. And right. Brittany 
had found it in her classroom and had kind of interrogated one of her students, like, where's this from? What does it say? And got a translator to figure it out. And this student in her moment of interrogation was like, Miss Lisa, just that's the first person that came to her mind. Miss Lisa, oh. from, you know, so okay. did, I was. Did, did Brittany know what it said, though? Uh, so, well, the translator had told her, like, it's something like you. Oh, okay. Effing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So words. Brittany puts three and eight together and says, you know what? Miss Lisa is coercing this seven-year-old to write terrible things about me in this note and leave it in my classroom. And she's got to go. She's got to get got. So wow. um, she conspires in her 22-year-old mind to get me fired, which is so wild because up until literally that week, we were fine. Really? Um, How far through the year was this? Oh, a couple months. Okay. So uh, we have this meeting and suddenly I... I, something snaps in my head because I've worked in group homes. I've worked with vulnerable adults. I've worked with kids. There's something about this accusation that I've coerced a child to doing something so horrible that I, I'm a, a sane person. But when you put yourself in the other part of the world, all of your, it is that, it's the, it's the paranoia, right? It's the, it's the something you, you're, everything is heightened. Yeah. I, for one second, kind of lost my mind. I walked into a classroom. I said, excuse me, I would like to talk about this note. And she was like, you need to leave. You need to get out of here. And I was like, no, no, I'm calm. I'm in one second. I went from zero to 60. And I was like, do you realize what's happening? And I raised my voice. I slammed my hands on the on desk and she starts to cry. You need to leave. I mean, it's awful. We have a meeting with administration. They are so they're like, I get some intel that they're like, this is ridiculous. Brittany's over blowing this out of proportion. Miss Lisa would never do yeah. this. So to appease the situation, yeah. you know how you rotate between classes. I mm. now have a classroom that's just a schoolhouse. So I never leave my classroom. I teach just my class. One of the other teachers, Mr. Derek, comes in and teaches math, and then he leaves. Huh. And it's just me. So then actually, Brittany, uh, maybe like a month later, ends up leaving. She Ooh. just leaves. Weird. And actually, a couple months ago, she tried adding me uh, on Instagram, which was so strange. <laughs> I think she's got some. So, so she leaves, but the who had written the post-it note? We probably another student, and it has it never stated another person's name. It never stated Brittany's name. It never stated who it was about. Yeah. So every Chinese teacher was like, "This is ridiculous," and all the expats were like, "Brittany." you know but it, to me it was so like if you question my character you question yeah, yeah. you know hit a nerve there yeah yeah so yeah i my outburst so, was crazy but this was her first was, kind of job in china like teaching abroad and stuff was maybe her first job out of ever yeah yeah and do yeah. you reckon she just did she just disappear one day or did people know oh she's off at the end of the month she put in her notice with another um teacher okay. and they went to teach somewhere in Sujo and they never heard from them again. Okay. So that experience, my, so the next year they kept with the keeping my, my, even though she was gone, they just were like, well, we'll we won't mix this stuff up. So I always taught just my class. And I think that was also different. It was weird, but it was great because I just had control over all the things. So maybe that's well, also I why. had like, it was just uh, class one and class two, like, right next to each other and yeah. if you remember kelly who i call kelly yeah 
did she stay in the second year? No, no, no. She oh, she, she left. Gone. Yeah. I feel like you were an unfortunate casualty of. Do you think the, so? Yeah, I really do. So, I felt like that back then, too. Uh, that's that's because uh, because the thing that got to me was, yeah, Dodie, he, he came on and he was quite a manipulative one. He, wasn't really, he? Was. he really was. And so that wasn't just paranoia. And, no. and the way that he kind of conspired with the management at the time, that, that really put me on the sort of back foot there. And and I, yeah, but at the same time, like looking at it from a distance, I, I'm i like, come on, how did you manage to get your, that paranoia so get the better of you so much? Because if you think about it, you know, you get up, you you get to work, you see the kids, you have a, have a laugh, you go back. I mean, with the distance, you forget really mm-hmm. that frame of mind that being in the school gates especially can just have on you. It's kind of a constant simmering thing that just builds up over time. And I think it's obviously then you leave um, the school and you socialize in the city and stuff, and which is a bit of a trip. And then, but you 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 never escape. You escape the school, but you never escape China. So there's like that other side of things as well. So I was going to ask you, yeah, what did you make of the wider city and China? Yeah, I think my last year, I really found that a group of ex like the owner of the bar it was called brooke when we yeah when we it's now it's now just brooklyn yeah yeah uh, changed yeah. We, we had some spanish teachers come in i mm. really befriended them and it was just living outside and i i got a membership at a gym in town i found kind of a group outside that had nothing to do with the school and my third year really was less attached to the school which that's how it is in life i think in real life you're not yeah unless you're, so it was incredibly different and i think then i got to experience like those moments outside in the town, we'd find noodles on the mountain. Um, also, I made a couple of local friends who yeah. all, uh, invited me into their home. I got to, you know, know their in-laws and they'd feed me and it was just, it was nice. So I think... So Chinese the, life in general, you found pretty good. You didn't have like a culture shock from that side? Uh, language, no. food, uh, customs, no. nothing. Cool. No, and in that in that sense, that's something I kind of mourn almost all the time. People are like, probably my friends are like, would you shut up or just move back? But especially compared to American lifestyle of just you're just so attached to your car and life is so insular and it's just the community isn't there. No one's walking. Nobody walks here. And I live in a downtown area, but I loved the lifestyle. I loved biking. I loved the bodegas. I loved the little aunt, aunties dancing after dinner. Yeah, that mm. was the best part. And so I, I guess the question is, why did you leave in the end? It sounds so good. <laughs> uh, I was ready to be near my family. It was a, a good time. It was a good ending. A, a lot of my friends were also, we just kind of all in different ways, not together, decide, like we just were done. Uh, it was the right decision at the time. And then uh, just shortly after that, I mean, the pandemic happened. I'm grateful that I didn't experience China yeah. in that way. I think that yeah. would have been a tipping point. Do you think Americans, uh, obviously China is a big thing. Um, The other half of my podcast is, you know, talking about history and culture and misunderstandings or stuff like that. And because it always seemed to me like it was the Americans who were most out of place for the most part. Um, Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. (laughs) That is another excellent part of the podcast because the Americans on staff, at one point we had 14 staff on the international team. There were 14 different countries represented, I should say. And 
the bloody Americans were just the biggest bitches. And we just get, we have a bad name. You know, people crap on Chinese tourist groups coming through like, oh, they're just loud. No, no, no. Americans are the worst because they just expect people to like bend over or do all like. Eh. One of the teachers I worked with was, I called him Mark. And he, had, he brought kids there and he was very kind of Christian. He had a Thai wife. And I didn't he was like, well, we got on quite well with him, but he, he was, you know, he came to China with such preconceptions mm. and then everything would reinforce his preconceptions because that's that's what he was inclined that's how he was inclined to see things and he would i remember him like he would call the the rainwater polluted chinese rainwater you know it was he would be so willing to make a point like that and just like put it right out there it's like what are you doing here right. <laughs> yes yes but there's just sometimes people would be so blatantly racist or biased or something and i'm like why are you here? And currently now, uh, with the political landscape of uh, Ch China and American relations and just the world, so many times, even in November, I'm going back, I'm going back to China. I say that and people are like, oh, really? Like, what's your problem? Right. I mean, but you I, think that, that, like the, um, the American perspective of China is kind of becoming more poisonous. Oh, yes. And especially prevalent in conservative um yes right-wing media is just like anti-china so hard and i'm not saying china is perfect i would never say that and i would never say america is perfect but yeah and it's i don't want to paint myself as naive too to like say well you can't you, ha you just ignore politics or just ignore you know uh the government and the systems but yeah it doesn't mean i'm not gonna go back and see my friends and yeah yeah well it's a complicated place isn't it yes obviously it's a place with like the, all this such ancient history like countless numbers of people and um it's just very hard to like be sweeping about it in any particular way 100 percent you did your three years and yeah. by the end of it, you had this little family. Um, yeah. And then for me, and partly it was because they, because there was some tension at the end. What they wanted was to not, the kids not even know I was leaving. And then just Friday afternoon comes and then Monday, uh, there's a new teacher there. And it's just like, um, it's just like a new beginning and everybody, you know, yeah. I get digitally removed from all the photos or something. Did, how was it? When you um, when you left, when left, it would be it's quite it's emotional, yeah. isn't it? And yeah, what, what, how did that play out? I do remember. I think I decided not to sign a contract. They, I think it was talk. There was talk, whether that was personally to me or to everyone. Like for teachers that didn't sign the contract, don't tell the parents. And I was like, right. well, I'm gonna tell them <laughs> because you know what I mean. I do remember. Um, it was a big deal to me because I felt very emotionally invested in this classroom. So it was, I think the rumor had already started happening amongst the group chat and the parents. I also wanted to say I had a really group, a great group of parents. Granted, I know a lot of the hard conversations went to my co-teacher, but yeah. I had, but they were a really nice group of parents. I would hang out with some of them. Not like they would take mm. me on little adventures. Mm. I was mm. spoiled run. Um, I had them come in for a meeting and I just, I 
all the, the kids were out and I sat with them all and I just stood up in front of the class. I bawled like a, a baby. And I, but I just said, this has been an honor to teach your students. I'm, I'm going back home and I'm ready to be with my family. And I just told them, and then I had Miss Lee translate a little bit and they were just very kind. They said, we're happy to, we're sad to see you go, you know, whatever. And you but, were, um, it's funny because I mean, I was like bickering quite badly with the management by then. But um, but you didn't really have that, and yet they still try preferred to make you quietly just disappear, and yeah. you know, such it's as... like so normal. It's a normal thing. If like you have teachers from other countries, of course some aren't going to sign contract. Like yeah, just have them say they're, and it, it's just odd. But again, I think that's kind of that moment where you can either choose to fight against the thing hmm. in that good moment, or just be like okay, and then do your and. Do whatever you do anyway make the system work for you so yeah um i got to go back in 2020 in january right before everything shut down and it was just a lovely little reunion so, actually yeah. i came back once to the school um really to see the kid yeah yeah okay, but because i because I, I left on bad bad terms you know so i kind of snuck in i i got in touch with the teacher and then kind of i wasn't sure if they'd want me there so i kind of tried to keep it on the down low so there's turnover with them too. So like when I went back, I was just like, hi. I mean, yeah. that, you know, we left differently. But I, I think you and also your perspective is different. But from the outside, I think a lot of people just knew that you were a good teacher and we lost a good teacher rather than, you know, mm. but of course your perspective is tainted because. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me pretty much let you go. But I was just wondering one more thing, like if someone was going to go and do what you and I did, then what advice would you give well 2015 was vastly different than 2005 china and a year or two after i left mr derrick was still there and he was like well they've pulled most of the curriculum we went from having about 15 classes to i think he had four at the time four a week that's one a day wow so i think that was the beginning of the shift that is represented now in the political landscape of you know being very nationalist and you know anti foreign curriculum you know why did that impact the number of classes he does because it was he so they took away english science english math he was just teaching english english oh. english so i mean now it's hard to say because because with the economy you know i don't know if i read a little bit about it but there's always just like this this looming you know real estate crash that's going to happen they have 200 100 or 200 more housing that looming real estate crash has been coming for decades for decades but like <laughs> but it's got to be it could still happen um what would i tell a person i mean i i recommend because i went to university 15 minutes away from where i lived so i consider china kind of to be my later in life university experience just being completely on my own and it really was not to sound too, ugh, you know, Tony Robbins or whatever, but transformational. And yeah. I, I am a different person because of my time in China. Mm. And I really would encourage it. But if it's if it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to do it because I think sometimes it's people's last resort or they're bored or just I can I'll just go teach in China. Then I'm like, well, they deserve better than your last resort you know yeah so yeah i would agree be be open to for anything be open to you know the adventure of it all 
every day is a puzzle and it's an adventure and that's why it's kind of enticing. So it was like perfect situation for me. I'm surrounded by people. I'm given this opportunity and this privilege as a person of foreign nationality to like literally meet strangers on the street and pet dogs and meet children. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like yeah. a politician in this. And little... that never got tiring for you. You're never like, Oh, oh I'm being yes. you're being watched. You're being, 100%. people are talking to you. It gets tiring. Adam, you catch me on the wrong day. You know, I'm yeah. feeling I've had, I'm feeling bloated. I'm feeling gross. And someone looks at me wrong. I, I'm ashamed. I learned how to yell. I learned how to say no picture. That was one of the first uh, phrases I learned in Mandarin. Um, something like booyah, pie jiao. Yeah. I yelled at a person at a shop once. And it's like, what are you yeah. talking about? You're so full of yourself. Like this person is in a sea of blue people and you're a green person walking in. Of course, they're going to look at you, take a picture. Like you take a picture too. Like don't be a, anyways, the majority <laughs> of the time it was a good curse. I was yeah. happy to like, I've had such really wonderful, beautiful interactions with human beings because of Changshu being a really low expat population. Mm. Um, but yeah, but people going there, like, don't just leave behind your expectations and just let things kind of, you know, take a breath. Lisa, thanks for coming and chatting to me. And you told you just mentioned that your tattoo was in, done in China, yeah? What is it? Yeah, it's a compass. It's a compass. Oh yeah, it's a compass. We found him in Changshu. Cool. And he, sp he spoke no English, uh, but he's a great artist. His studio was so cool. He kind of had a Japanese garden in his patio, and he kind of was dressed like a hipster. He did know he did know the word no, so when I start to fidget, he just kind of like no. But um, great artist. And when I walked in with Mia. To get a tattoo, I kind of sketched a compass and I pointed. This is what I want. And 45 minutes later, I have this beautiful drawing. So I got, cool. got it. At least you didn't you didn't ask for something. You wanted a cat. It's like you know, spoke no English and then two hours yeah, later, right. that's what you had. Compass. Yes. I honestly, at that point in my life, I probably would have taken it. So. But I've had a few conversations over the couple of years that I've made podcasts. So, um, but you're the first one who actually worked in the school. So that's. That's good. I was glad yeah. to hear from you. And enjoy the rest of your day. You too.